there I was out in the field and uh, the uh, Charlie was in the bush. I'm in the <laughs> My friends, welcome to another episode of A Lot's Happened Since Yesterday. There comes a time maybe once, maybe twice in a millennia, where a great man is born, and we are lucky to exist during that millennia. And we are even luckier to have him on our show. Without further ado, it is my honor, nay, my privilege, to present to you the great Randolly. Yeah. <laughs> is he coming today, too? This is going to be great. <laughs> How was that, Ralphie? Is that what you wanted? <laughs> that was fucking the bomb, dude. All right. You're questions gatekeeper i'm not afraid grand <laughs> <laughs> dolly the great grand dolly ladies and gentlemen we have the great grand dolly and there's a reason they call him the great, great sorry there's a reason they call him the great grand dolly there's a reason they don't call him the pretty good grand dolly that's right yes because he's fucking great. And uh, we're going to introduce you to him today. If you've never heard of him, this is my friend, Randali. Um, what's going on, brother? How you been? Oh, good. Um, did a lot of driving today. And uh, I successfully navigated the entire freeway system of the Southern California. <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of putting it, right? <laughs> fighting traffic well shit dude i'm i'm glad to have you on finally it's been a minute to get you on here uh rent right. for those of you who don't know randali and i go back way back we have a lot of history together uh randali is a fantastic musician oh thanks he, he's a guitar player a story one time uh me and ralph uh -uh. together and we were jamming just for shits i went ahead and brought my uh fretless um synth guitar and i was kind of playing um violin parts it sounded like shit basically but uh what happened was at the end of it uh when i when i drove away i totally left my whole bag of gear on the side of the road <laughs> And drove away, and I didn't even know about it for weeks. And then one day I hear from Ralph, "Hey, you know, I got your whole bag of gear on the side of the road." <laughs> Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> what the fuck? This is exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. No, yeah, me and Randali were jamming. You know, at the time I was playing my keyboards. And we got together, we were just fucking jamming, and yeah, he left his shit on the side of the road. But <laughs> wait, what what shit was it though? What like what gear was it? Um, it was, you know, I had a small suitcase with my uh Roland GR synth in there and some effect <laughs> pedal and stuff like that, and the cord for it and all and all that stuff. And, um and when I packed everything up, um, I put everything away and I remember shutting the trunk and then just I guess I hadn't you know, put the thing in after opening the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you open the trunk, don't put the shit in, just open the trunk, close it, and you're like, peace. 
And Ralph is sitting there going, well, shit. I don't know. You know, I had a situation where I did that one time, too, in Pomona, on the borderline of Pomona and, and Laverne. I had a student. And, um, you know, I'd been to the NAM. I, I go to the NAM every year since time immemorial, most of the time. And um, and uh, some uh, I worked for a music magazine, as we'll get into probably in a little bit here. But, um, but so the, I was always getting plied with all these products. And one guy had this badass product, and it was a essentially a um, music stand that attaches to the bottom of your Stratocaster and then it folds up to the back. Oh, and so fancy. whenever you want to set the guitar down, yeah, you just unfold the stand and set it down. And so I remember I, I gave the lesson and me and my friend Aaron, we were driving away from the dude's house and uh, he knew he was a friend of his too. And, um, and I remember I, I, I set the guitar down, I got in the car, and we um, ate some ridiculously strong mints, like way too strong for human consumption <laughs> mints. And I was like, ah! And I forgot to set my guitar down. I just started the van and drove away. And, um, and it was like a week later, I thought, see, I haven't seen that Stratocaster in a while. <laughs> It was just there in the middle of the street in, the, in Pomona somewhere. Oh my god! He's still there. God damn, so dude! These fucking stories, dude. They fucking kill me, dude. They fucking kill me. Oh my god, that is hilarious. So, uh, fuck. Um. <laughs> wait. So, anyways, ladies and gentlemen. This is the great Randali. Randali, let's let's introduce them to you, or introduce you to them, I should say. Tell us a little about what you do. Um, well, I'm a lazy layabout for the most part. You know, I pretty much watch TV, and um, you know, often, oftentimes I'll waste time at the chessboard, and um, you know, that's my main deal. But then, then you know, I got this whole thing where I'm like a uh, guitar enthusiast, and so that only took up my whole life. And so then everything I do kind of has like, it kind of works around that, you know? And, um, so, so your whole, so your whole deal right now is just, do you collect? Do you just play? Cause honestly, like we've met a couple times, but I really don't know like what your thing is. I mean, I really don't know what you do. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're awesome. I mean, I met you a few times, but I think is, dude. But you know, you whatever it is, you're great at it. I used to hang around my aunt's music room, and there were violins and pianos and everything. And I would just be in there all the time, tripping out on these instruments, you know, that I couldn't possibly imagine people playing them or something. And um, and so I I love the sound of it. And and around like nine years old or something like that. I remember my uncle, a different uncle, he had a, uh, he, he was like really well to do. And some of those people just have a guitar, but they've never touched it in their life, you know? And so he was one of those people where he like, he was a lawyer, you know, and he just had this uh, ovation acoustic and I would just sit there and like run my fingers, bling, bling. And, it, and then I was hooked. I was just, there was nothing to do for it from that point on. And so um, my dad was a really big fan of garage sales and sometimes he'd be driving along and he'd tell me, oh, my God, the steering wheel is taking over. It's... Oh, look where we've ended up at this garage. <laughs> and um, so he, you know, he would buy me, you know, like 
these crappy guitars, which was awesome. And so, um, and so for years and years, I had all these, like, I'd have to make my own mad scientist uh, radio distortions and things like this out of old, you know, receivers and things. And, um, and I rolled like that for many years. And I'll be playing over at my friend's house there. They had real guitars. And then um, eventually uh, at a pretty young age, uh, my dad brought home a real guitar for me. And so, um, you know, I played it and played it and played it. And um, that was fun. And then I pretty, pretty much <laughs> would start doing these things where I would start playing guitar. And at that point, I was this little kind of like metalhead stoner character. And so well, right when I started kind of smoking, I thought to myself, I was 13 years old. I thought to myself, you know, if I get stoned more than I play guitar, I'm just a stoner. But if I play guitar more than I get stoned, I'm a fucking guitar player. So every time I get stoned, I would make sure that I was playing guitar, right? And so it took these two, three-day episodes, you know, until I was like a little bit later, 16, 17, I was on acid for three days, jamming guitar. And then it became for weeks, you know, with all the, you know, microphones hanging down, amps all spread out and opened up, guitars. And I had this great old Gibson, you know, and um, I'd just be jamming away, jamming away. So for the first seven years, I didn't take any lessons or anything. And, um, and then one day I thought, you know, I really should know what some of this stuff is called because I could like remember it, you know? And so um, I decided that I should start, you know, <laughs> going to school for the thing, right? And so I remember, you know, I almost graduated high school on time. It was like way back when, you know, you had to have only a certain amount of credits. It's probably ridiculous now, but um, I remember I, all I needed was to pass this final metal shop class and I would have like had all my credits. There was just like five credits remaining. And all of a sudden, um, I guess the last time I ditched the, the, the metal shop guy, Mr. Nagel, he was running around the room. Where is he? What everybody tells me. Stone playing guitar off on the bleachers and everything with my friends. And, um, and uh, so, it turned out that right that year they were going to uh, switch over all the school from um, the previous administration to this whole new ownership people. And so they wanted to like push everybody out that was still part of the old program. And so, um, and so they had this long, like they had this big folder that had like this long list of different like opportunities really is what it was and so one of the things that i lucked into that year was that there was this one thing that said that any student who was only missing five credits i was like oh that's me i'm only missing five credits. and they had to be elective credits i was like say this is uh, elective and uh, then then they could go to college and just eventually have the credits um you know this was just like a little asterisk on a codicil at the end of something. You could go to college in a thing called advanced placement and start studying. You don't have to finish high school. And I was like, that's the thing. And so they're like, oh, you're coming back for another year or something. And I'm like, no, I'm smart. I've researched. I'm going to college. And so I so I went up to Chafee College and I just started enrolling in music classes. Two years later, I just sent all my credits down and they were like, who the hell are you? You know, because it's all these new people. And I was like, 
oh well i'm here for my diploma you know and they go and they go what can i hear and so then i call up my dad he has to get out of surgery to answer the phone you know i'm like they said get out of here he's like what and then he calls up the school and <laughs> later they're like calling me back and apologizing we're so sorry we're just come pick up your we're so sorry. <laughs> the people died because of you. <laughs> he was great. And so, you know, without that foldy thing that it goes in, I'm all, no, no, no. I got to have that. <laughs> so Holy shit, like, man. And then for the next 10 years, I just stayed in music colleges after music colleges. I did um, uh, I did uh, five summers at National Guitar Summer Workshop. I did a two year harmony program at Citrus West Covina. Um, I did um, I worked at the um, at the Claremont School with John Edmonds doing the Grove system. If you know Dick Grove, he was the that's the system that Henry Mancini used to use to his uh, compositions. Mm -hmm. And um and really the main thing is just like one thing that really kind of like ingrained me was just all the endless nights and days that I would stay up just jamming and jamming and jamming. And, um, and then, so then I just grew into loving the thing. And now, you know, it's like, I don't know if I should be doing it or if I, you know, I, I don't even know. It's just, I do it, you know? <laughs> just, yeah. And um, yeah, to answer your question about collecting, collecting and everything, I had um, a really bad um, situation after I lost my job and stuff. Where I had to get rid of all my stuff and everything. Oh, and, but I've been able to uh, pretty much like recoup quite a bit of the things, you know, kept in contact with the, some of the people that so I have like a lot of some of the stuff back, you know, and everything. And um, and I'm, even today, you know, I was taking some money that should be rent money and i went to go examine a guitar <laughs> in the, what, you know? <laughs> no 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 well um well you know so i started joining bands and um you know i was a real weirdo so uh in 1990 i formed a band uh called own oh, 89 really 1989 i formed a band called atavism of twilight and and we were a progressive fusion instrumental band and um you know we played just really one main show and then eventually i got kicked out of the band I like that's another thing is like i have this thing where i get kicked out of bands all the time and so uh, <laughs> and so uh, this time they were like really upset that i wouldn't give them the band key and no! <laughs> like bands they have every little reason is different and stuff so it's no big deal those guys are still like wonderful wonderful people and great friends of mine and stuff but um, they kept on and they eventually put an album out and it's like known as one of the top favorite uh, progressive fusion al albums of the whole uh, 90s and they were and they deserve it you know it sounds great and the new guitar player they got evan uh he's wonderful and um so that worked out good but uh so when i was in that band i was also concurrently playing with a reggae group that um the dude saw me on stage and he was like oh hey you gotta be in my band too i was like okay i had a band room so I was, uh, yeah i was able to swing it and um so then you know after i left that other band then i concentrated on that band and then um you know i got picked out of that band again wonderful people really good people and um just like the reason was something like oh yeah it was three o'clock in the morning we just played one of these clubs uh like the geckos dance club in montclair or something like this where you know 
it was a great turnout because people really loved us and we're playing with a group that everybody also loved too called bass culture in the reggae circle uh in the inland empire and um and so there was this big line around the club to get in you know and it was a very successful night but it became like three o'clock in the morning and then uh, so they had been making all these deals and wheeling and dealing and everything well, i was just playing guitar but you know they were like hucking and jiving you know all night and um <laughs> and so it's time to like split up the money three o'clock in the morning and they go okay so <clears throat> we're gonna talk about all the new stuff you know after we play the free party um uh, and at the band meeting in the morning at 11 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. And I go, what, 11 o'clock in the morning? I go, guys, you know, I go, I'll, I'll play the party. You know, I'm always down to play. But, um, you know, let's just talk about whatever we're going to talk about right here. We're all here. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we got to talk about it at the meeting in the morning. And I go, and I will listen. You know, I go, I still got to load all this stuff back in the truck, go all the way home unload it then practice for my other gig you know that's going to be tomorrow night so i'm down to <laughs> day and play the other gig at the night but i'm thinking i'm going to be awake you know in <laughs> and anyways they just got all super like um and i'm telling you they're great people but you know how it is in the heat of the moment and everything and um they got all like you know instantly mr if you don't come to the band meeting you're out of the band kind of thing you know? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, it's not my fault. I won't be awake, you know, because I still got it. I had to go home and I saw it. Make it to the meeting. I was out of the bed. <laughs> it's not my fault. I won't be awake. <laughs> I love that. That's what the that's the excuse I'm gonna use from now on, dude, for anything. <laughs> any any fucking shit that comes up, I'm just gonna be like, you would like me to make my it fault. <laughs> I won't be awake. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, so I was just uh, going to pretty much, you know, after, after all that stuff, I was like, wow, well, fuck it. I'll start my own goddamn. Man. And so, um, so I started auditioning some bass players and one guy came, Ethan Halprin and a nice guy, but he, his bass playing was very rush oriented, you know, and um, not that I don't like rush. There's a lot of great stuff, but, it's just it didn't mesh really with my kind of style, just playing the Getty lines, you know. And but he was a real cool guy, and he read some of my fiction. I also I was working for an international rock mag. Um, There's this disabled lady Dina, and um, she had this rock mag that was you know by subscription throughout the whole world and everything. And so she and so this was just a volunteer thing. She was handicapped, and I was working for her. And I would write these hilarious, the cheesiest stuff, you know, get your rock pants on and grab your rock hat because this rocks, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <It's rocking. laughs> um, and anyway, so, so uh, Ethan read some of my science fiction that I was writing and um, and then and then and I told him, oh, yeah, he goes, oh, my God, you know, he goes, I, I work for a music magazine. And I go, really? I go, I also work for a music magazine. And so then he read some of that stuff. He was cracking up and he goes, oh my God. He goes, you got to call, um, you got to call my editor, Idine Bazari down at Mean Street Magazine, which was like, um, uh, at the time, just an up and coming sort of little, little kid next to the big Bay Area music magazine that you got at all the clubs, you know, this was would have been about 93. Well, the end of 92, the very beginning of 93. And so, um, of course, I'm late night people. So I call up and I'm like, oh, yeah, can I speak to Idine Bazari? And I get on the phone comes 
Mike Rocchio, right? And Mike Rocchio, I goes, I Dean there? And he goes, uh, he goes, no, well, you know, I'm Mike Rocchio. He goes, I actually own the magazine. He goes, um, and I said, oh, yeah, well, I go, I met Ethan, who works for you guys, and he told me to uh, call you, you up and talk to um, and talk to Dean, you know, about my writing. And Mike goes, do you party? And I go, well, I got this black Napoli's hash. He goes, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, uh, pretty much best friends <laughs> moment, you know, <laughs> we've been hanging out 20 <laughs> a day, many days. We went to millions of events and, um, and we have a great time. He's a fantastic character, great human being. And, um, and so I started writing and it's funny because I started with some of these like little local 13th floor elevators or something like, you know, these little nobody bands, you know, haunted house or something. I don't know who they are, but, uh, and I did a couple of reviews and I really wasn't <laughs> comfortable with reviews because as an artist yourself, who the fuck are you to be doing reviews? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would just use my review, um, power as a commercial for these, for everybody I did a review for, you know what I mean? And right just uh, these world's greatest reviews and, and um, and so then um, I, I got my first actual artist because uh, the person who did the thing in the back called Musician Spotlight, which was really the real musician of the thing. You know, there were like 30 interviews with Drama Rama and fucking Banana Rama and all these fucking people. But but, you know, every once in a while, they like, you know, um, you know, Joe Satriani or some like real player, you know, and uh, yeah. that was always done in the musician section of the map, which is like one story in the back, the musicians <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of cheesy ads for, you know, lockout studios and stuff. And, um, <laughs> and so, uh, and so anyways, the, the person was unavailable to do well. Mike was just, we're hanging out, you know, doing, we would edit the magazine at the last minute before it goes to press every month. And we're just there and he would take like a bunch of, um, you know, like um, sends from the different, um, you know, uh, publicists and just throw them at me here. You want to do this? You want to do this? And, um, and so lands on my hands is fucking Mike Keneally after he was playing with, Frank Zappa, after all those years, he's putting out this album called Hat. And this was, I don't know, 93 or something like that, 94 by now. And um, he puts out this album called Hat. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I would, I would like to uh, interview Mike Keneally for sure. And um, and so, so I interview him. We go to Ben Franks, the publicist pays for everything. And we're just like, do this great interview. And of course, I'm a huge Frank Zappa fanatic. And um, I knew I didn't even know Mike Keneally played in the band, but you know, it was awesome. <laughs> you know when I found out that I was meeting him and everything, and he was in the band, and um, it turns out that he was a fucking great guy and knows everything about guitar. And um, anyway, so then I write one of my typical you know stories. It has some levity in it, you know me, and um, and, <laughs> and, it, and it comes out as the musician section for that uh, immediately. Immediately, um, one of our writers, George Paul, a good guy, but he's very, um, he's very, he's, you know, kind of like a real intellectual and he's into, you know, like um, the Cocteau twins and stuff like this. Anyway, so he immediately sends this scathing letter to Mike. Uh, Randali's writing is a juvenile mess. It's the worst show we've seen. Why do we hire the 
this idiot. You know, like all this stuff, blah, 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 anything like this. So Mike, of course, he puts it in my inbox. <laughs> Troublemaker. <laughs> and we're, we're just cracking up at this because it's so funny. Um, anyways, so anyways, so the next day we get to the office, there's this answering machine message. Fucking Mike Keneally had taken the time to call the paper. He's like, this is the greatest article. Anybody goes, I've been in rock music. I've never had anybody write anything this good. This is quality. He was like, all the, like, he just left this very long message about how amazing the story turned out. Um, and I just felt really vindicated, you know, and everything. And, um, and I'm still friends with George Paul. You know, it wasn't no, it was no skin. We just laughed at it. But, um, but, um, you know, later on, just a funny side story. One time we were in Texas at South by Southwest convention and, um, and somebody spilled bong water on George Paul and he thought I did it like to get mad, <laughs> mad at him or something like that. I don't know. I felt really bad because I'm like, first of all, like I've been smoking weed for a long time. I don't spill bong water. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you accuse me of such things? <laughs> dare you is more like just like, oh man, I'm really bummed out that somebody thinks I would do that. You know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> but anyways, but, but but you know, I don't know if you believe me or not. But later on, you know, we we we've hung out at 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 conventions and stuff, and he's a good guy, you know. And I always thought he was a good guy. He's just he's just a different kind of writer. He's one of those writers that just has a lot of facts, and um, it's a good writing. Like you know, you like reading his stories, but. Um, but uh, he's a cool guy. But uh, I felt bad that uh, that he thought I did that, you know, when I really never was mad at him in the first place. You know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, I don't know where we got into that. But uh, so then, um, so the then, bong water uh, incident. Yeah, you know, I, I actually don't smoke weed anymore. I quit smoking when my dad passed away in uh, 2006, and um, you know that I did a little bit of tallying with it again in 2000. And, 14 when i heard that i could go medical and that was fun for a little while then i put it down after about a year you know i just got sick of it oh uh, let me ask you something brother um you 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 don't play the average style of really? guitar playing you you you're not the average style guitar player so what got you into the style that you play because you're you play a lot of very different kind of chord structures and oh, okay what is that? I can't hear you. Can you see this? Yeah. You know what that pendant is? No. Dad. Said the pick of destiny. Merch. It's tour merch from, it almost is like the biggest, it's tour merch from a Magma concert. If you know Magma, they're like a progressive fusion band. So the, the kind of groups that I like are different than the normal person might like. Like I'm sitting here with my magma pendant on like some idiot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, Never heard of him. I'm sorry. A lot of people don't even know, but the drummer Christian Vander is like this insane drummer that wrote this whole like episodic environment that, 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 details this ancient planet from far away and long ago before star wars and um <laughs> yeah. he invented this whole entire 
um, language to tell the story of the prophets of this planet of Kobaya and the um, and the Thus Hamtuk, the time of hatred or something like this, with this whole mechanic destructive commando thing. Anyway, that's just one of the little small bands that I like in a tiny way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, basically... I'm not going to lie, that sounds like it's up my alley because I dig that progressive, really artistic, thought-out shit. Oh, yeah, no, they're sick as hell. I mean, it's it's almost like the Carl Orff Carmina Barana, if you remember that thing, the no. Barana. That's the thing that's like... Neef, neef, smooth, smooth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's what that's called. <laughs> yeah, that's that's written by Carl Orff. It's called the Carmina Barana, and you, you, you know, you know how heavy it is. It's almost like fucking <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the number seven played at my favorite Mexican restaurant. Holy shit! <laughs> I remember oh, wow. that reminds me of this genie that they let out of the bottle, you know, and. Um, <laughs> Genie was like this Chinese genie, you know, and then, you know, they they asked this uh, young couple what they wanted, you know, and, they, and the young couple was like, oh, okay, we want 69 or something. The genie said, oh, you want spicy chicken with vegetable? You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, brother. <laughs> so my, and my style, you know, is just like you say, chords. I think of chords and then I create a little progression and then I just do chord scale relationship in my mind and think what kind of sounds nifty with it or something like, let's see if you can hear any of your stuff. Like, um, do you actually pre-compose or are you more in, or more improvisational? Well, uh, most of the time. I would say that uh, I studied a lot of improv, especially that was mostly what I studied at, at, at National Guitar Summer Workshop. But um, but when I'm making chord progressions, you know, a lot of times that's that's more of a compositional sort of engagement. And right. then and then the improv is where you find the magic. You know what I mean? You could just connect the dots with soprano, alto, tenor, bass, and then you know, and then it's like you you write it down, and that's what you get. Or you could get what you get first, you know, yeah. what you get, you know, um, let's see. like, uh, the, I don't know if you can hear this. Let's go ahead and. Uh... you bro i really like your your style it's very different it's it's not your average style there's so many guitar players out there that are doing the same thing and following the same recipe as uh the next guy you know what i mean so it's kind of refreshing and cool to hear someone that has a kind of a different feel for the music you know what i mean so it's fun so uh the great randali on soundcloud um you can find some of his stuff. Check it out. If if you like it, hit him up, message him, let him know you like it. Um, it's always a good thing to give a musician a little pat on the back. You know what I mean? And Randali's not looking for anything uh, outside of just sharing his music with people. And uh, 
and and some great stories dude you, you you've, you've got some fantastic stories you're Fuck a great yes. storyteller you're a very cool person and i know that everybody in the music business that i know that knows you respects you highly so oh. it's massive massive fun to have you on here dude you you know you crack me up brother you've been cracking <laughs> me up for years so you, 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 fun. <laughs> you, yeah we have fun whenever we we hang out so it's always fun to hang out with you we will have the great randolly back again and maybe we might even have him do something live i don't know one of his pieces um but either way we're going to go back and, and tell some more stories and talk to randolly about some of his adventures it's Damn been a, a fun time the great Randali, ladies and gentlemen, check him out on SoundCloud. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Thank you Thanks, for coming brother. on, brother. It was You've great. Watched a lot's happened since yesterday, and a lot has happened since yesterday. So, people, take care of yourselves. Be safe. My name is Ralph Busso. I'm Cody Walker. Always fucking forward. Be good to yourselves. Yeah. Be good humans. Peace. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>